Amen. Good morning and welcome everyone to this service coming to you from Walkfan. Yes, we are Walkfan, where we build strong families and serve global communities. Glory to God. And so I want to welcome all of our friends from around the world that's joining us via streaming. You're welcome. We thank God for you being able to be with us this morning. And I trust and pray that something that God will say will change you and you will never, ever remain the same. Amen. And so before I get into the message this morning, which actually, let me just go to the scriptures, Acts 2, 46. But as we are getting the scripture, let me just say, uh, I want you to mark your calendars for April 4. April 4. Now, every Sunday is important. It's the Lord's Day. But April the 4th is when all believers globally celebrate the day that Jesus walked out of the grave. Amen. Hallelujah! <laughs> Talking about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know we've been in a lockdown pandemic for over a year now, just about. And many of us have gotten comfortable. Thank God for devices, iPads, tablets, phones, and so forth, and so on, and so on. And we watch services in our pajamas while we are drinking our Kool-Aid. <laughs> but the Bible tells us that we should not forget the assemblies of ourselves together. So I want to encourage you this April the 4th. Let it be your resurrection from dreams that have been sidelined from projects you've pro postponed, from items and things and even vacations that you've deferred, let us reset the button and begin to come together to fellowship, to love one another, and to have a great time in the Lord. And really here at Walkfriend, we have a great service prepared for you. It's going to be unique, so I'm giving you an invitation so I can hug you, bless you, and at the same time, encourage one another. April 4th, 2021, Resurrection Sunday. Glory to God. And also, before I get into the message, I just want, I just want to encourage all of you out there, particularly locally, if you've not received your job, it's job time. Amen? I want to encourage you. Go get it. Forget the conspiracy theories. This is the deal, okay? God has given us vaccination to inoculate us for what's, what's happening. Let's take advantage of it. Now, if you're out there, a part of WorkFan, and you're having difficulties getting an appointment or don't know where to go, if you just send us an email, admin at workfanusa.org. Admin at workfanusa.org. We will help you because we want to serve you. We want to make sure that you are safe and that you are in line. Amen? And so I hope that fear has dissipated because God has not given us the spirit of fear but of love of power and of a sound mind. And for those of you planning to be here for Resurrection Sunday, I want to assure you, COVID-19 cannot stop you. Amen. Because we have a Holy Ghost bubble at work fan that will protect you, keep you, and make sure you are safe in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, having said all of that, let's get into the message this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I'm going to be continuing on what I started last week on making the case for grace groups or small groups. Acts 2, 46. So continue daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from home or rather from house to house, they ate their food with gladness 
and simplicity of heart. Give me the other scripture, five, uh, Acts 5.42. Acts 5.42. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So last week, I began by establishing that the early church experienced an exponential growth that they did not imagine or even prepare for. And that as this growth was taking place, they had to make adjustments on how they worshipped. From the scriptures, they employed two patterns. They worshipped corporately together in the temple, and then also in small groups from house to house. So this is the pattern of the book of Acts. And if we today are to reproduce the results of the New Testament, then we need to employ the methods of the New Testament. At work, friend, we believe that the tool for our discipleship to help us to grow in the faith and to stay in the faith is through our small groups. That's how they did it in the early church. They kept those who were born again, they stayed in the faith, and at the same time grew in the faith because they came together and worshipped and enjoyed fellowship in a corporate setting. But then, during the week, they met from house to house to break down and get clarity and understanding on the experience that they had on Sunday. Amen? Now, last week, I mentioned three models from which we can derive the, uh, the pattern or the concept of small groups, or as we call it here at WorkFan, grace groups. Number one, we saw the model of Moses and Jethro, whereby in and through that model, we saw the qualification process, how Moses qualified those who led those groups. And I said to you, no matter who you are, where you are, what you've done, what you're doing, as a born-again believer, the Bible tells me and you that you are already qualified by God. You don't have to meet Moses' recommendation or his prerequisites. Jesus met all of them for you and has qualified you. Secondly, we looked at the model from Nehemiah in chapter 3, who had an elephant-sized project in rebuilding the walls at Jerusalem. And yet he employed small groups based on, number one, their geographical location, number two, based on uh, their affinities, and number three, based on their business or their professions. It broke down the various uh, uh, elements of the task according to geographical location, affinity groups, and professions. And what happened? We saw a project that's elephant-sized in rebuilding the walls of Jerusalem, built, accomplished in 52 days in record time, something that no one thought was possible. Amen? And then we saw the third model, which is the model of Jesus, the pattern son. We saw that through his model, he gave us the example of how communities live together. Because for three years, Jesus went in and out with his disciples. They, they basically almost lived together for three years. Now, when I say live together, understand that's a generalization. I don't mean they lived in the same room, the same apartment, or the same house. So don't send me an email on that, please. Spare me. 
What I mean is they basically did life together. They ate together, they dined together, they rested together, they did ministry together, they argued together, they fought together, they resolved their conflict together. And ladies and gentlemen, that is community. There is no community where there's no interaction. And sometimes interaction will bring conflict, it will bring irritation, but the issue is not the irritation itself, but how we resolve them. Amen? Amen? So those are the three models that we see in the scriptures that helps us understand what small groups or grace groups are all about. And so this morning, I want to go from there and just, be, and just share with us very briefly the benefits of grace groups. What are the benefits? Go with me to um, Exodus, Exodus chapter 18 from verses 21 to 22. There are, I'm going to touch on very briefly eight benefits of the small groups or grace groups. Exodus chapter 18, verse 21. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hate and covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of ten. Next verse, thank you. And let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter that they shall bring to you, but every small matter they themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. So the first benefit that we see in grace groups and small groups is the benefit of shared burden. The benefit of shared burden. Time out for when one singular man or woman totally, completely receives or takes on the burden of the care of the congregation. God has a better way. He has a better plan. And that plan is for shared burden. In other words, the, 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 the responsibility is now split over a number of people to care for the sheep. Uh, go with me to Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Matthew 10, 1. Matthew 10, 1. Shared burden. Praise God. And when he had called his 12 disciples, that's a small group. This is Jesus here. When he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits. We can just, um, we can just stop right there for a minute. Now, we read this passage and sometimes we don't really pay attention to what it says. Mind you, these disciples to whom Jesus gave power, if we were to look at their lives and judge them and appraise them, many of, the, of us would say these guys are not qualified. They're arguing with one another. They don't know what they're doing. Many times they don't believe. And yet Jesus shared the burden of the ministry, empowered them. Oh my goodness, when I think about that, it's a clear distinction between who God is and this local, uh, what I call herbalists and voodoo doctors and all these nonsense people. Because those guys will never share power. You go see a herbalist. You guys are looking at me funny. Many of you have been to herbalists before. <laughs> You're all looking so sanctimonious here as if we've never heard that word before. 
when you go see a voodoo doctor or a herbalist, they never give you their power. They never, they never divulge their source of, of, of power, whatever they're doing. Never. Because they see that as an insecurity whereby you can take their position. But Jesus, the God of all the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, was not afraid to empower and commit ministry and power to men that you and I today will not count, consider as qualified. That's the difference. And so what I'm saying to you is, as we continue to build our grace groups, we want to share power. We want to share ministry. We want you and you and you and you and you to be involved and recognize that the power of the Holy Spirit is in you because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. Number two, number two, the benefit of grace groups and small groups. Plurality of ministry. Plurality of ministry. Exodus 18 from verse 24 to 26. Back to Exodus chapter 18, verse 24 through 26. Plurality of ministry. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. Now, wait a minute. So all of a sudden, you move from one man, Moses, who had all and total authority over Israel. Now you move to plurality of men. Bearing the power, the authority to now take care of the people. Plurality of ministry. So Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over the people. Rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, rulers of tens. Go on. Verse 26. And so they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So you see, all of a sudden, ministry became plural. It's no longer what we have today where one man is the, the, the move and shaker, uh, the, the, the man of God, uh, the woman of God. No. All of a sudden, all of us are men and women of God. That's what we want at work from. I don't want to bear the sole responsibility for what God has given us. I believe in the collaborative effort of every gift that God has given, coming together to get a job done. So not just one minister, but all ministers. Why? Because we believe that every believer is a minister. Paul says it's better. He says he's made us able or sufficient ministers of the new covenant. John chapter 15, Jesus said he ordained them to go and bring forth fruit that will abide and remain. Everybody's a minister. If you want, go and print, out, go and print your card. I'm saying minister Joe and, and whatever your name is. Go print it out. Amen. You are a minister if you are born again. Number three, benefit. And this is a logical conclusion to what we just said. Number three, benefit is leadership replication. Leadership replication. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2. Leadership replication. Many of us think leadership means having a title or a position. John Maxwell, the pastor of pastors, defined it well. And he simply says, leadership is influence. Amen? And if you're not influencing someone, 
You are just a leader, quote unquote, taking a walk. In other words, if you're a leader, somebody must be following you. You're having impact and influence on somebody's life. How do you develop that? In this setting, in a corporate, how in a church do you develop leadership? The best place to develop leadership is in small groups. You go to a, uh, a daycare center and watch those, those kids on the playground. They are not in a church setting. They are not in a, uh, in a stadium setting. Just watch them in that little playground with the swings and the slides and so forth. You watch the kid that everybody wants to play with. That's the leader. Why? Because at some point in time, that child has demonstrated some level of charisma that's pulling the other kids towards him or her. Amen? So in small groups or grace groups, we see leadership replication. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 and 2, the Bible says, Then they called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority. Now look, look at the difference. In Matthew chapter 10, we, said, we saw him give them power. Power is the ability to get something done. But here, he didn't just give him power. He gave him power and authority. Authority speaks to their leadership. He gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And then he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So right there while Jesus was yet alive, it was not only training his disciples, it was not only mentoring them, it was also giving them the opportunity to develop their leadership skills. And that's what we want to see happen at WorkFan through our grace groups. We want to see every believer not only being a minister, but every believer being a leader. Hallelujah. Leadership is in you. You know how I know it? Because God is in you. And God is a leader. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We are made and created in God's image and likeness. So leadership has been lying dormant in many of us until we are called and given the platform to lead or to demonstrate it. And so through our grace groups, we're going to see leadership multiplied or replicated. Number four benefit, Exodus chapter 18, in verse 23 in the NLT, please. Exodus 18, verse 23 in the NLT, number four benefit. If you follow this advice, Jethro is telling Moses, and if God commands you to do so, then Moses, pastor, apostle, bishop, whatever you call yourself, then you'll be able to endure the pressures and all these people will go home in peace. So number four benefit is grace groups and small groups enable us to endure the pressures of ministry. It enables us to endure the pressures of ministry. We are not calling one man or one woman every day for every issue that happens in the congregation. Whether it's 4 p.m. or 2 a.m. We are not calling the same person over and over and over and over and over and over. Amen? So small groups allow us to endure the pressures of ministry. So now instead of calling one man, we have 20 people that's eligible 
to be called and to answer for whatever the situation may be at any given time. Amen? Number five benefit, still in the same verse, same chapter. Let me read it again so you get it. If you follow this advice and if God commands you to do so, then you'll be able to endure the pressures. And look at the last sentence. And all these people will go home in peace. So number five benefit is the congregation will be satisfied. The congregation will be satisfied. People, you will not, listen, if you, if you ever spend one day with, in Revelation's desk or in her position, you'll be amazed at how little patience we Holy Ghost tongue-talking people have. Especially when you have a need. Because as far as you're concerned, your need is the most important thing to you. Forget what, what else is happening. It doesn't matter what, what else is going on. If you have a need, you think that need should be the utmost important thing that anybody else should be doing. So imagine the frustration when you call the office and you need X, Y, Z. And you don't get the feedback in 24 hours or 48 hours or 72 hours. People leave the church for that. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Why? Because they figure that our rate of response does not satisfy the need that they have. And therefore, they are dissatisfied. They are dissatisfied. They leave. They get upset. Or if they don't leave, if they don't get upset, they send you the message in the offering. <laughs> you get the message one way or the other. Amen. The point I'm making is, in small groups, needs are in bite sizes that we can manage more efficiently and therefore we can respond in a better way to make sure people's needs are not going unmet. Amen? Amen. Number six benefit. Give me Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47 again. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and 47. Amen. Thank you. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Okay? So what's the result of it? Praising God and having favor with all the people. Do you see that? We want favor? This is how to get it. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Sometimes God will not add if God sees that we are not capable of handling what is adding. So rather than set us up for greater judgment, out of his mercy, he withholds his addition. Or it's multiplication. Because to whom much is given, much is required. So if God sees that you and I are not able to handle what he wants to bring our way, he holds back. So that we shall not be in greater condemnation. Glory to God. Because as we see here, verses 46 and 47 go together. 
Amen? When they had the order correctly, they met corporately on Sundays. And they broke bread and met in houses in small groups, meeting the needs, reducing, reducing the pressure, satisfying the congregation. What did God do? Number one, they had favor. And then secondly, he added to them. In other words, oh, you guys can manage what I'm sending you. So here, here's some more. Take some more. Amen? So number six benefit is small groups or grace groups creates growth environment. Growth just don't take place automatically. No. We have to create the environment for growth. It's the same way if you're running a business. Your business just don't bust out of the seams if you don't have an environment conducive to growth. My brother and I went to a Starbucks in, uh, where was that place? Uh, La Vista, off La Vista Road, a couple of months ago. I have never seen a queue like that all the days of my life. Queuing up to spend their own money to buy coffee. Two lanes, circled around the building. I'm saying, this, okay. Full disclosure, full disclosure. We were on our way to funeral. And we got to the funeral way too early about 40 minutes ahead of time. So we said, what do we do? It's COVID-19, you can't go into a building, we have to sit in our car, it's cold. I said, let's just go to Starbucks next door. I'm thinking we're gonna go get there 10 minutes, we're gonna pick up coffee and go back. Are you kidding me? We were on that queue for what? almost 30 minutes. We almost got to the funeral late. What's the point I'm making? Starbucks have created a, an environment for growth. Whether it's in Seattle or Anchorage, Alaska, anywhere you see that sign, Starbucks. People make a big line to it. And they don't care whether it's five minutes or 30 minutes. There is something about the place, about their, their service and attitude that continues to draw customers. How about Amazon? You complain, oh, you want Amazon. Ah, it's a, uh, what they say, monopoly, this and that and that. Okay, keep on complaining. <laughs> if I ever want to order anything online, my first stop is what? Amazon. Because I know I can order it this morning and get it tonight. End of story. And if I don't like it, send it back. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> they have... <laughs> These guys have cornered the environment for growth. Well, everybody else is trying to say, okay, are we going to take Bitcoin or Dutchcoin or uh, MasterCard or American Express? They've already gone so they, they are another level. Completely. Why? They're constantly growing. Can you imagine if we put $1,000, Dr. D, in Amazon 15 years ago? Don't let, let, let's just leave it alone. Let's just, let me just let your brain think a little bit about that. We at WorkFind want to create an environment for growth Amen. where people are being satisfied, their needs are being met, Amen. we are replicating and developing them as leaders that will not only lead in church, but lead in the marketplace. Amen. We want to develop politicians, military, whatever the, the aspect of living. We as a church should be the briefing training station. Well, we can send them out to succeed. Number seven, benefit. We see this in Nehemiah chapter three. 
and I made an allusion to this last week. I won't read it again. Number seven benefit is through our small groups, we see shared affinities that makes ministry fun. Shared affinities, rather. Shared affinities that makes ministry fun. There are some groups that we can start today. I'm telling you, we have to tell people we can't take any more people. How about if Dr. Lee will add to his grace groups or small groups, the shopping club? <laughs> the shopping club of Lawrenceville. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. So affinities bring people together for a common purpose, and they're having fun while they're doing it. It's one of the benefits. You don't have to prime them. You don't have to beg them. They are motivated because of the affinity to come to the table. And lastly, number eight. Lastly, number eight. Give me Luke chapter 9, verses 14 and 15. This is wonderful. I had 35 minutes, and I'm going to finish and give you guys change back. I'm going to give you change back in your pocket. I'm looking at the clock. Luke chapter 9, verses 14 through 15. Thank you, for there were about 5,000 men. Then he said to his disciples, make them sit down in groups of 50. And they did so. And made them all sit down. Next verse, 15. Verse 15. And, praise God. <laughs> ah. Okay. And they did so and made them all sit down. So this is the point. Jesus is about to deliver ministry to these multitudes. This is the same God who multiplied, the, who sent quills down from heaven with no ranking. He didn't, have, he didn't have them sit in 50s or 20s or hundreds or thousands when he did that. To show you and I that he has the ability to readily feed the multitudes without any ranking or any order. But yet here, and many other times in the Gospels, we see him deliberately call for order and for ranks. Sit down in 50s. Thereby pointing to today, the church, how ministry can be effectively, or rather effectively and efficiently Delivered. He was teaching his disciples something. He was teaching them something. So number eight benefit is that ministry is delivered more efficiently. Amen? So there's much more to be said about grace groups, but we will not try to say them all in one day because there's so much information at one time, and I don't want to inundate you with information. So I want to encourage you, if you are not already a part of a grace group, please, send a simple mail or message to admin at workfindusa.org. Or perhaps you feel, you know what, I'm qualified because Jesus has qualified me. I want to lead a group. I want to lead my own group. I clap for you. Amen. If you want to lead your own group, we welcome you to do so. Again, send a message to admin at workfindusa.org. We want to give everyone that God has brought into our care the opportunity to grow, to become the leader that God has called you to be, and to be able to release you into your own world.
to do exploits for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen? Good. And so, Father, we want to thank you for our time today. We honor you. We bless you, Lord God, for your word. Thank you that uh, your people are taking heed to your word. They are encouraged to know that everyone is qualified under the Lord Jesus Christ. You've made us all fit and to be qualified and to be competent enough to serve you, to be a blessing, to participate in your great kingdom. And so, Lord God, I thank you that the hearts of your people are open and ready to receive the engrafted word of God, which is able to save their soul. Thank you, Lord God, for them taking the initiative to get plugged in, to get involved, so that they can be developed and instructed in the ways of righteousness and become the able leaders you're calling, calling them to be. And so, Father God, we thank you, we bless you. And for adventure, if there's anyone that's not born again, that's listened to this message, Father, I thank you that the first part, the first point to ever being qualified is being a part of your great kingdom. And so if that's you, you're not born again, I invite you right now, right where you are, to just simply ask Jesus to come into your heart. Amen? He died for your sins, he was buried for your sins, and he rose again for your victory. And all God is asking you is to repent, which means you change your mind about thinking you can live and run your own world or your own life yourself. Jesus wants to take the reins. He wants to be in the driver's seat of your life. Allow him to do so. And so, Father, we thank you now for those who are making that commitment for the first time, being born again. We give you honor. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.